There's something funny about Julia, and we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. <laughs> And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here. As always, uh, we're going to uh, meet the star of a new documentary that will be out June 1st tonight. Uh, it's uh, somebody who is uh, a uh, professional comedian on and off for 40 years. I say on and off. It was a 20-year spell, a 10-year layoff, and now back at it. Uh, I, I think well, 40 years is probably too too much, but I would say over 30 years. Let's put it that way. I don't know. Anyway, um, my wife earlier this evening uh, just made a comment that uh, unusual that to me anyway, that she finds it uh, very strange that I haven't offended more people that haven't said off offensive things on this program. And I try my best <laughs> to be... Um, uh, not offensive because my nature in life is just to be offensive. But this feels like one of those hold my beer moments. And uh, believe me, I don't mean to be offensive or inappropriate in any way. The fact is I'm just really, really ignorant about some of the things we might be talking about tonight. And you're probably saying, wow, that's really shrouded in mystery. What the hell is he talking about? We have a comedian on talking about a documentary and and he he's worried he might say something offensive and stupid. Uh, what could that be? Well, I just say sit tight while I uh, read about the sponsors today, and then you can figure it out on your own once the program gets rolling. Uh, tonight's program is brought to you by AudioBooksNow.com. Audiobooks, you know all about audiobooks. You know about the convenience of them. You also know you can find them just about anywhere on the web. So what makes audiobooks now different? Well, the answer is simple. Price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers the savings and flexibility not found anywhere else with their save on everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel anytime policy. It simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles when you click the link that's in the description. Start your 30-day free trial right now or when you click that link as well. It's uh, normally $4.99 a month. It's absolutely free to try for 30 days. You're not happy at any time. You cancel. You won't be billed a penny. And you can listen to a lot of books in 30 days, my friends. Uh, with audiobooks now, you save on every audiobook you purchase. They don't hide uh, the, the true cost with gimmicky credits or any of that kind of uh, nonsense. They, whether you want to save big through the club pricing plan or simply purchase at their everyday low prices, they offer one of the largest selections of audiobooks anywhere. You can download or stream the audiobooks through, your web, through their website or free apps, and all their apps are uh, include in-app purchasing. I'm not even sure what all that means. I am so uh, culturally out of it, technically out of it. I don't even know what that last line means. And all their apps include in-app purchasing. But it sounds like a good thing, and you should check it out. Audiobooksnow.com. The link is in the description. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be meeting a comedian who is about to be a star of a documentary about her life. And, uh, and you say, well, why are you nervous about that? And here's the thing, folks. It occurs to me that I don't know a single trans person in my life, not a single one. And it's, it's my wife pointed out, and I, I kind of think this might be true, that maybe I just don't know. I probably do know some trans people, but it's not they don't make it generally known that they're they're trans and that's that's possible i did know one trans person in the 90s uh and it, i was friends with him uh, uh and then he went away for the summer and when he came she came back after the summer break and and, and the school had started up again um she acted like she didn't know me or any of the other people that she was friends with when before she was she and so uh and it was really odd it was really uncomfortable uh and that bridge was never gapped so i never got to know her after she was a her if that makes any sense so i'm just nervous that i'm going to say something offensive and inappropriate tonight just because of my ignorance and so that's what tonight that's what the big mystery is about julia scotty's documentary film julia scotty 
Funny That Way will be released on June 1st as a video on demand in honor of Pride. It was produced and directed by Susan Sandler, author of Crossing Delancey. Julia is a nationally headlining comedian, former teacher, author, speaker, and a woman of transgendered experience. She was a quarterfinalist and a fan favorite on season 11 of America's Got Talent on NBC in 2016. Julia currently has a comedy special on Showtime called More Women of a Certain Age. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Julia Scotty to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Julia, welcome. I, I'm just offended already. I you just I'm ready. I can't even. Yeah. I, can't, I don't even want to talk. I just, <laughs> this is over. I am out of here, man. Wait, before you go, yeah, you, you have to clue me in on what it was because that's why I don't do it again. All of it, all of it. Fight the power, man. I just pissed. That's all. Uh, so, how are you, man? I, I'm well. Thank you for coming. Uh, I am nervous that I'm going to say something stupid. So, yeah, you uh, probably will. That's all right. I, 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 I probably will. You wouldn't seen, be, if it's not intentional, you wouldn't be the first person to do that. So You've seen the program. Uh, <laughs> um you know, uh, Julia, uh, the one thing that uh, I've seen some of some of the comedy that you do, the one thing that uh, I'm, a, I'm a little offended by is that you kind of think that uh, you, you kind of take the position that being in your 60s is old. Uh, I'm in my <laughs> 60s. Uh, <laughs> well, it is to some people, and it, and it really kind of is, yeah. Uh, I mean, I embrace it. You know, I'm not happy about it. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, I'm not. I'm not happy about it either. But I kind of don't. I'm in denial about it. I don't want to think of myself as old, and so uh, when, you know, I, I guess I never grew up in in a lot of ways. Well, I haven't either. That's why it kind of pisses me off because I, you know, I got a lot of things to do still. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't plan on leaving soon. But let's face it. I mean, you know, that's the old joke. Don't I don't buy green bananas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, you know, I remember uh, in the clip about the, uh, from America's Got Talent, I, I think it was Simon or somebody who was asking you about why you got started so late in life and you went through your whole life story. But even when you got started at 28, I think that's getting started late in life for a comedian. It was, is, yeah. Is it? yeah. So the first time you got started was late in life. The second time was extremely late. It was, uh, well, the first time uh, was, was uh, oh, something like cat. She's quiet. She sleeps all day. We have one um, right down here, too. So. Okay. Uh, the, the first time I was a musician before I became a comedian, and back then there were no really no comedy clubs, per se. Uh, so, you know, who knew that I was late getting in? I didn't know. Right. And, and you're right, though. For 28 was a little bit, you know, long in the tooth to be starting. Right. At and that so, time. And so, uh, do I have this correct? You did that for 20 years before yeah. you decided that... It wasn't for you. That's a long time to just kind of dip your toe in the water, isn't it? Well, 20 years to the day, actually. I, I, I quit the same day I started. Uh, and and it, was, it, it wasn't that I was fed up with it. I just was getting to the point where I was, uh, you know, I had kids. I was, you know, and, uh, you know, the money was coming in, but not great. And I just I had no future. And I, uh, I wanted to explore something else and I you know and I found teaching and I love teaching uh, and I did it you know for seven years right and so then you just stopped how did that I mean I know you were going through a lot when you stopped but um, did you miss the you know miss the sure. of performing and because and, to me it's like a drug right and, oh my and, god and yeah. when you stop it's withdrawals well teaching you know filled a lot of that gap you know, because, you know, you're in a way you are performing still. And, uh, you know, and, and it's even harder to be a teacher because you've got the same audience for six hours a day. Right. What you did know, you teach? I taught sixth grade language arts. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, did you continue teaching through the transition? And I actually, I, I, the year I, you have to live a year in your new gender before they'll do the surgery on you. So. The year that I was living in my new gender was the year I began to teach. Uh, um, I graduated in 2000, May of 2000. And, uh, and I'm sorry. Um, and, and, and yeah. And in uh, October of 2001, right after 9-11, was when I began to teach. And I had been uh, living as Julia. Yeah. 
that whole year. So your students never didn't weren't aware of because uh, sixth graders can be brutal, man. <laughs> well, they uh, when I, I came in, as I said, uh, a month after uh, 9-11, I started October first, and so they had had a substitute for that whole month. And my very first day teaching, uh, the end of the school day, uh, there was one of the kids left a note on my desk, and and it, I just I said, oh how cute, they want to welcome me to the school. And I read the you know the note just read everybody here thinks you're a man so uh, it was kind of devastating you know and and I really went back to uh, I went home and I was going to kill myself I just I'd been through so much in, in college and everything and I went back to college late in life too and I worked so hard to you know graduate at the top of my class and you know and and, and this kid was going to take it all away from me and it was. Right. It was rough. Yeah, it was rough. That sucks. It totally sucks. So, uh, you know, I know that there are some challenges with that in your life. And so, but I try, I, I hope we can just fo uh, focus on some of the positive stuff without bringing people down too much. Because well, I, I, I understand that you probably have a lot of really grief in your life. From yeah. But I mean, you know, the, this movie has done so much to, um, we're hoping to, to lift people up educate them to you know um people that are struggling with the gender identity you know hopefully this movie will you know give them some hope right that's, uh, that's i want to talk about the film uh mm -hmm. and now you you the film was the intent to be an advocate for 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 trans life or was it in an uh attempt to just kind of uh, illustrate your story and complete story of your life in a way that the trans part of it is just is it's not coincidental, but it's just an ele one element of who you are. Because uh, I think there's a fine line between trying to be an advocate for something and then trying to portray it as you know mm -hmm. uh, normal. I, I am I am somewhat of an, I'm somewhat of an advocate by default because I am in, you know I'm in the public eye and. People see me and they, you know, they automatically. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they judge all trans people by my my appearances. I don't know. Right. But it wasn't. It was just Susan's intent, uh, and she's just just a brilliant woman. I mean, uh, but her intent with the movie was to 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 talk about my comeback and my you know not only in my job, my career, but with my children and. And that there is kind of hope and light at the end of the tunnel, that you can survive going through something like this, and not just survive but thrive. Right. Um, and so the movie. Have you seen the final cut of the movie? I have. Yeah, it's uh, it played last year um, at a number of film festivals. It's been it's it's. But now it's going to. Um, I'm trying to think the term for it. Direct to. Yeah, direct to streaming or something. Yeah, something like that. You'll be able to kill <laughs> me for that. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm video on demand. That's it. That's what it is. The VOD. Bob. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. That's video on demand, right? But right. I, I'm, uh, yeah, that's one I know. But I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so bad with all these. But you'll be able to get it on all these, uh, just about every um, major. So, um, festivals were they going? I mean, you said last year. Last year was uh, under COVID. Were there actual film festivals? No, they were virtual. Everything was virtual, which I felt so bad for Susan because you know she'd worked five years on this movie, and, right. and you know and. You put five years of your life into something, you, you know, you want to, the payoff is hearing people screaming and telling them, you know, telling you how much they love the movie. And I kind of feel bad that she, she, you know, she got that taken away from her, but she's such a trooper. I mean, she, you know, she sees the response we've been getting. We had a nice write-up in the New York Times. I mean, there's been, you know, there's been a bunch of good things that came out of it. So, and, and the advocate too, you know. In a way, you got that taken away from you too, because uh, that at the moment, it, it, you know, is about the star as well, and especially when it's a documentary and it's about your life. Uh, in in some way, you got that taken away from you. But we've talked about that endlessly on this program. Every time I have a filmmaker who, uh, you know, I talk about the the festivals and those people, like you say, who put five years of their life into something expecting to be in a festival and then there's no festival to, to be in. That, what a terrible situation. Yeah. For well, them. now that you bring it up, then, man, now I really feel like crap. 
<laughs> well, my my work here is done, folks. Good night. Uh, um, so I, I guess so. I mean, I mean, you know, I've learned the one thing I've learned after forty years of doing this is not to ever expect anything, and the, the best stuff in your life is going to come out of uh, you know out of left field when you least expect it, and so I just. Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to have everybody, you know, telling me how wonderful I am and yada, yada, yada. But it, it's it's not that important to me. I mean, it really isn't. I, I love, right now I'm in love with my work. I love stand-up in a way maybe more than I did when I started. I, I just, uh, I'm planning a new album in the fall. I, you know, I'm, I'm doing the promotions for, for Susan. I'm so happy. I'm happy for both of us, but she's going to get the accolades she really, really deserves for this thing. It really is a good movie. Right. It's a good film. Yeah, she did a... And, the, and, the, and the, I don't mean to jump all over you, but the, the beauty of uh, the film is in the, is in the telling and, the, and in the, cut, the cutting, the editing. And, they, and she did a terrific job. Um, and we don't want to get, obviously, we're, when we're talking about it, we're not going to give away, it's not like a book where I'm give, uh, spoiling the ending or anything. We know what the ending is. She's, she's out and performing, uh, and headlining nationally. But, uh, in, in the film, do we see, uh, any of the comedians who, uh, knew you w w from your former life and now know you in today's life? And, uh, 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 yeah, actually, I, I, um, I had provided Susan with, uh, a lot of archival footage from the going back to, geez, the early 80s, so you see me there, and uh, and you see we, we do these comedian breakfasts uh, periodically, but we used to, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to do them again, we should do them like yeah. once a month, and so there's, you know, she got video of, of one of the breakfasts where everybody uh, is there, so, yeah, it was uh, the it's showtime. Cool. The Showtime thing is called a woman of uh, uh, no, more, 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 funny, women. more funny women of a certain age. More oh, it's my, my line just says more women of a, a certain well, age. Okay. Jesus Christ, uh, come uh, on, uh, man! Uh, no, because it's important. I, because I think I got two. it from your website. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's two actually. Carol Montgomery produced two of these specials. One is funny women of a certain age, and the other is more funny women of a certain age. And I'll tell you a story. You want to hear? it? Please. We hear a cool showbiz story. That's what we're here for. <laughs> All right, that's going to cost you another thirty bucks. Oh boy! Uh, no, actually, I was scheduled to be on the first special, uh, "Funny Women of a Certain Age," and Carol and I go back a hundred years. And about two weeks before the taping, I wound up having to go in for emergency uh, cardiac surgery. I had a quadruple bypass, uh, had a valve replaced, and one and one repair. So it was a, it was a mess. So. Uh, we taped, they were, she was taping, I think, J January 16th of 2020 or 19. 19. Yeah, because I had it in 18. So, beginning of January, I said, I called her up. I told her I was going to be there. <laughs> you know, I'm, this is December 30th, you know, New Year's Eve, I had the surgery on Christmas Eve. I still told her I was going to be there. I called her, I said, I said, no, I don't feel good right now. I sounded like Babe Ruth, you know, at the last day at Yankee Stadium where he's saying goodbye to everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the show. I'll be there. So it comes, we don't know, we're like a week away from the taping day, and I called and I told her I couldn't. And she, Carol, do you know Carol? No, I Carol don't. Montgomery? Oh. She's such a wonderful person, but she said to me, listen, I don't know if there's going to be a second show, second special, but if there is, you're the first person I'm going to call. And sure enough, a few months later, that's what happened. So, oh. she's good people. Very good. I've been, so I've been very blessed with people in my life. I've got, you know, uh, Susan, needless to say, <coughs> my, my best friend, Kathy Caldwell, uh, has been behind me since the beginning. And my current manager, Tom Ingenio from Omnipop, uh, all very, very supportive. This doesn't get done without a team. Yeah, obviously. Um, now, you had performed. Uh, you had performed stand up before you did America's Got Talent, right? Yes. Uh huh. Nineteen eighty. I'm sorry. Tell me about the, your first step back on stage. Uh, what what that was like after being out of it for ten years, and now you're coming back 
as a whole new person, really, right? Uh, what was that like? Uh, what was that experience like? Were you scared? Were you nervous? Were you? Yeah, oh, sure. I, I, a friend of mine um, was working in a club, and she said, we went out for lunch one day, and she said, well, when are you coming back to comedy? I said, I'm not coming back. And, you know, look, I'm old. I'm transgender. Who's going to want to listen to anything I have to say? She goes, you know you want to. <laughs> so I said, yeah. Uh, and it happened that she was working at a club that uh, called the Comedy Works in Bristol, Pennsylvania. It was a place I had worked many, many times over the last 30, 40 years. Right? And so uh, she said, well, come in and do a guest set. And I and I thought about it, and I, you know, it's like a dr- any drug addict, you know, you tie me off, you know, just <laughs> shoot me up and, and I'm ready to go. And I, and I decided that if I was going to do this again, I, it had to be under two conditions. I, I, I had to be fearless and I had to speak the truth. Those are the only two criteria I had for going back. And funny, that helps. So I go up on stage that night and I'm, you know, I'm shaking. And I, the very, one of the very first things out of my mouth to the audience was I was away. I've been away for like 10 years. I did a bunch of things. I got married, went to college. And oh, no, by the way, I had a sex change. And, and the audience just looked at me crickets nothing right? <laughs> and, and I'm looking at them like oh, and it dawned on me that they didn't believe me right they were just looking at me because I saw a couple of people shaking their heads like you know one person leaned in and said, was that know, a joke <laughs> you know, she, she said she had gland problems you know? yeah and uh, and I just said no really no really and they finally got it but I did the five minutes I think and I got off and it was all right and the next week I went back and did it again and this time, it was like, you know, riding a bicycle. Wow. Um, <laughs> what are, now, are there particular, and I, I hate, because this invites prejudice, but are there areas of the country where uh, performing is more difficult? Uh, or people sometimes, you just go on as Julia Scotty and don't mention uh, don't mention anything about the transgender stuff. It's kind of hard at this point to not mention. <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been seen all over the country. At, you know, AGT at thirteen million episodes, thirteen million viewers. Wow. I was on three times. Showtime's had millions of viewers. I just did a dry bar special in Utah. So pretty much, if you if you're coming to see me, you know, because I kind of pull the audience. I said. How many of you don't, didn't know that I was? And, um, and very few hands will go up. You know, pretty much everybody knows at this point. And uh, they're cool with it. So I haven't, I might be a little cautious about going places in the deep, deep south. Uh, I have to, it would depend on the venue. Um, okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to be careful in this country, you know. Well, part of the way that uh this came about having you on the show was i i had realized that uh on the program i had a ton of male comedians and i could only remember one female comedian i had on like 14 months ago and i was like i I was struggling and i fed some comedic actresses and stuff so i put it out on twitter uh and uh that i was looking for from uh female comedians to come on the show and that's when i kind of realized that there still is a war of the sexes in comedy, uh, and there is still a you know some a, a female comedian asked the other day, "Who's my favorite male comedian?" Oh. I, and I think she did that as you know a kind of a sarcastic chat. I said, "I've never heard anybody say male comedian." You hear people say female comedians all the time, and that that's a dividing line that says there are two kinds of comedy: there's male comedy and female comedy. And so I'm wondering, uh, do, do you uh, feel any of that? Is it has it become more real that dividing line between what how male comics are treated and, and female comics are treated now that you see it from the other side? Wow, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of in a unique position because I come at it from both sides. I've been you know I've been in both camps, uh, and so the prejudices I face are not necessarily you know the prejudices that. Uh, say a, a cis man, a, a man-born man, or a cis woman would face, but you know maybe my the, the prejudices I face are a whole different set. I have to say though that the, the the female comedy community 
has embraced me uh, in a way that I can't even, uh, I can't describe, just lovingly took me in, loves me like, you know, like a sister, and uh, it's the most wonderful place in the world to be among, you know, my, my sister comedians. I am honored that, to be in that company. Uh, the male comedians in my life who, uh, you know, may have called me in the past and just said, let's go hang out or something like that, doesn't happen anymore. Right. And I, and, and I understand that. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't live that life uh, anymore. And I, and I didn't like it when I lived it. You know, I was always had, I was always uncomfortable, you know, hanging with the guys, you know. So, really? So, yeah. Yeah, I was never good at it. I but you fake it, you know, when you're when you have to be something. When people expect you to be something, right? You know, and uh, it's why I kind of bristle when people call me trans comedian Julia Scotty. Uh, like for a while after AGT, I thought that was my name. Right, right. <laughs> Every billboard said trans comedian Julia Scotty, and uh, and I and I keep trying to tell people. And you said it to your credit at the beginning of the show. Uh, there's more to it's a part of who I am. It's not. You know, it's not all, it's not who I am. It's just part of me. Right. And people expect you to do, uh, like, a complete show just about that uh, often, or or, or do, do they expect you to have a wide variety of experience within your comedy um, d delivery? And, and you, I want to call it your act, but that I hate that, that term, your act. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I call it my act, but I mean, uh, I do, you know, I, I do talk about it. You can't, it's, the 800 pound elephant in the room but again I, it's a very small portion of my act you gotta ask yourself like here's the thing 99 percent of my audiences are straight people cisgender people uh, very rarely will i get a gay you know a bunch of a large gay audience unless it's a gay event or an lgbt event very rare almost never a trans audience uh, and so how, how if you were a straight person you came to see me you don't want to hear me talking about being trans for 45 minutes or an hour. You don't want to hear that. Right. And I don't want to hear it either. It's just not, right. for me, there's just not that much to talk about. Right. I, I like mean, talking about it. Yeah. After the initial, oh, oh that's different. There's, it's not like there's a whole lot you can mine for comedic stuff out of it. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that makes comedians successful is that the, their audiences, uh, see something recognizable in the comedian that they can identify with right you know and and my experiences are you know um, the same as everybody else's right you know i've had a i've had a crappy love life <laughs> i'm not very good at marriage i'm toward the end of my life i'm broke you know, well, stop, stop saying that toward the end of my life. That you, you're scaring me. See, because I'm close to the same age as you. Pretty, I'm just a few couple of years behind you. I think. Walk to the light. <laughs> Walk to the light. Well, you know what? That's the thing I've been struggling with the last few years. I mean, you know, let's face it. I mean, I I can lie about it, but I mean, the last. I mean, the last. You know. Right. I heard somebody uh, 55 described himself as. Uh, you know who it was? It was a that. Tucker Carlson, dude, so I say he was uh, uh, middle aged and he's fifty two years old. I'm like, dude. I do the whole thing in my act though about um, you know fifty five, sixty five is a new fifty five. Yeah. And and I talk about that and it's right at right at the beginning of my act and they and they say, you think sixty five is a new fifty five? Try getting a job, right? Yeah. When the HR person says to you, so where do you see yourself in five years? You know, right. try not to laugh in their face and go. Christ, are you an optimist? You know, uh, underground, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you keep taking ten years off, you know, like, oh, well, eventually it's going to be. Well, what are you, twenty? Nah, yeah. that's the new ten. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I try, I try to do it with sort of a sarcastic bent. I mean, my, you know, my comedy's always had a, a real sarcastic streak to it. So, uh, why so, should that change? So uh, going back to what, what I, the, the comedian who uh, Jenna Friedman, I believe, was the one who posted. Who's your favorite male comedian? Oh, Jenna. Yeah, and I yeah. I asked. Uh, I said, you know what? To be, I have a list of top my favorite comedians, and uh, right now it, it's somebody. But it, that will change. <laughs> but I can only remember one female comedian who was ever 
my favorite at that time. And that thank was, you very much. Uh, no, uh, it was oh. actually Mom, Mom's Mabley when I was a kid. Love so, Mom's Mabley. I'm teaching a comedy class, and I'm going to actually talk about her this week uh, in the class. We, we, I think we're teaching them stand up, but I also teaching them history of comedy, you know, and, and we're talking about moms this week. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I am very interested in that. But I, I, the question I was leading up to is, who who were your comedic influences? Who you know? Who did you? Uh, obviously, we're going to know a lot of the same, same people. But were they mostly male comedians, or did you have female comedians that you really admired when you were growing up? Uh, uh both. I mean, I I'm a I'm a student of comedy, so I I love uh I I love the history of comedy. So in, me in, too. So going back. Uh, to the silent film days, I, I there weren't a whole lot of female comedians. There were some, but there weren't a whole lot. But, but to be honest with you, my favorites, uh, the early years, uh, Laurel and Hardy, uh, uh, Chaplin, Buster Keaton, those three um, in the silent era, um, and Costello as a child, Lou Costello was, uh, was sort of made me want to be a comedian. I wanted to make people laugh. Right. And coming up, uh, female comedians. I mean, I remember uh, Tony Fields was funny. Tony uh, Fields, you know, yeah. Phyllis Diller. Uh, you know, um, I mean, the, the list goes on. Joan Rivers and uh, Elaine Boozler. I mean, the, there were lots of female comedians that, that uh, especially Elaine Boozler, because she was sort of a groundbreaking uh, comedian. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, so. I talked about how tough it is now for female comedians to kind of, but. Today's crop of female, there's a lot of really, really, uh, and people. my wife and I went to a comedy club a couple of years ago, and the females were, comedians were just ru ruling the room. They were the best by far, but yeah. at the end of the day, when we walked, we couldn't remember the names of any of them. We remembered the guys. And, remember and, the guy's name? Yeah, remember the guy's name that, who, really? sucked, who sucked that night, but didn't remember the, the women who killed it. You know, that wouldn't bother me. If they, if you were to remember the sucky guys, that means you're not going to go back and see them again. If you see the, the women's faces that you like, you'll remember them by their faces, and if you'll hear the name. Yeah. I got to say, man, I, I mean, I don't work with a whole lot of men anymore. I don't know. It just worked out that way. Uh, but the women comedians I work with, phew, man, oh man, you gotta be, you gotta work your ass off to keep up with them. Right. Uh, I, I'm in a writing group, uh, and it's split about fifty-fifty. I think you know, it's half men, half men, half women, and inevitably it's the women that come up with it. We help each other, but come up with the the killer punchline. Yeah. Right, we have some funny women out there, boy. Uh, they definitely are, and uh, more of them than I even could imagine. I mean, now that I'm being exposed to so many of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of really yeah. great uh, female comedians now, and that wasn't the case when in Elaine Boozler's day. I mean, you had her. Well, Shelley. there was, they were there. You just didn't get, they didn't get the opportunities. I mean, there were acts like Pudgy, for instance. She was, uh, she was around the time of Elaine Boozler. It was, uh, you know, still in there, obviously. And Marrow um, was a ground, was sort of groundbreaking. Uh, uh, there were uh, there were quite a few back then. They just didn't get the breaks. Right. So to say they weren't there is kind of a you know kind of a misnomer. They weren't known by me. Right. By you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, that's just. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things I don't know, uh, and and I want to talk about some things that I don't know because you just mentioned that you teach about uh, the history of comedy, and you were mentioning people from films. Obviously, I mean, by you could tell by the mustache and glasses, I was a Groucho Marx guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the the history of stand up comedy, I'm surprised that a lot of today's stand up comedians aren't really uh, students of the history, but. As you mentioned, when you first started, before you started, there weren't a whole lot of comedy clubs around. I think most of the stand-up comedians who aren't sta uh, histories uh, of stand-up don't know, don't realize that there weren't always comedy clubs. And this thing we call stand-up is relatively new. I mean, uh, fifty years old, maybe sixty years old, but it's not. It, it's not an ongoing art that was was around for like musician. You could say was around for five hundred years. Stand-up comedian. It's not something. To, to well, you can go back to the court jesters who who were basically political commentators, right. and they made the king laugh. Um, but in the meantime, they were digging at him, at him you know, just saying. But they, um, 
stand-up has evolved and evolved out of the, the, the uh, out of vaudeville, out of burlesque and uh, comedy teams. Uh, you know, the last big team uh, was probably Martin and Lewis. You know, there were teams that followed them, like Rowan and Martin and you know Scott and Henderson, a bunch of them. But the last big team uh, were probably Martin and Lewis. And then everybody, you know, uh, right around, I guess, right around the Lenny Bruce period, you know, uh, 50, 56 or so, uh, the idea of being a jazz hip. Uh, yeah, hipster, you know, hipster, hipster comedian. Comic, yeah, yeah. Back when hipster had a whole different meaning than it does now. Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 then everybody wanted to be Lenny Bruce. Robert Klein probably bridged that gap from Lenny from Lenny to modern day what we know as, you know. Uh, yeah, Robert Klein, I think, always wanted to be a doo-wop singer but, and settled on comedy, which is un unusual. Um, but but this, that whole idea of the Lenny Bruce thing, I, I think what we're seeing now, and, you know, this is going to bump some people out again. This is what I do. I bump people out every night. Um, I think a lot of comedians get caught up in what I call the, the Professor Carlin syndrome, where they, they think it's more important to uh, have a... Uh, something really profound to say than concentrate on just being funny anymore. And so I think as, cause as Carlin got later in his career, he abandoned like being funny and it was more about just lecturing. The, the, especially but he kind of earned it, you know. He he, he definitely he, did. You know. I don't take that away from him, but I think his influence on the younger people, now everybody feels like they have to be, be uh, and, and they haven't earned it. They haven't earned the right to, to do that. And and with by starting by making people laugh and think at the same time, rather than trying to. I, come yeah, up. I don't. I have no aspirations to that. I my my goal is to be uh, first and foremost is to entertain. I'm an entertainer. Uh, be funny. That's what I do. That's what people hire me for. How I get there is my choice. And if the audience comes along with me. Um, then all the better, you know. I I, I teach in the class that um, there's. I don't know if you know who Bill Persky is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Bill Persky in an interview um, was one. Of, he's one of my comic idols, obviously for obvious reasons. But he has four rules for writing comedy. I have them up on my wall here. You can't see them, but I'll read them to you now quickly. First is start with the truth. Stay human. Yep. Stay human. Don't reach for ugly and be vulnerable. I teach those to my students, and I live by that as a comedian. And when I write a new piece of material, I will go, you know, I'll go, or oh, does it meet these criteria? And more often than not, you know, it, it does. I've, I've been writing for so long that I just sort of naturally, you know, fill those criteria with my stuff. Um, so do you throw do you throw away your material? Because uh, I heard Louis C.K. talk about this when he was he had an epiphany that when he realized that Carlin basically threw his, his act in the trash at the end of every year and started fresh with a new. Uh, it's did, mind blowing, isn't it? <laughs> it's no, I don't throw my. I uh, I I do. I will rotate stuff out, and so if you see my act today, it doesn't resemble what it uh, it was a year ago. I, if I, I had to listen to my CD, which, by the way, you can get on right. in most platforms. Is that um, an uproar comedy? Uh, yeah. Is, <laughs> but I listen to it because I'm preparing for this new CD, and I can't repeat material. So I want to make sure. I've made a list of stuff I can't do in this next act. So I've, that's all gone from my act anyway. It doesn't. It's not important, but I, I needed to know for sure. And um, so I don't. I don't write a completely new act. I will rotate material out. I find I'm much, it's less pressure on me. Uh, I don't know how Carla did it. He was just right. Carla, you know. Well, and Louis C.K. was talking about uh, how that freed him up, and, and that's actually, he attributes all the success to that, because he felt like uh, he was getting sick of just telling the same material all the time, yes. and, and basically struggling to make himself feel that anything was funny anymore and uh, yeah. but, but what you just talked about uh, Seinfeld and Chris Rock and uh, Ricky Gervais were arguing about that exact point where uh, Seinfeld took this position that 
people who come to see you want to hear the hits, like a musician. Thank like you. A, uh, so you can't throw away all the material. You got to do you do something to for those people who just come to hear the hits, right? I have people, I, uh, and it's a joke, and I'll tell you what the joke is in a minute, but uh, I have this joke that I wrote when I started doing stand-up four years ago, right? And every time I need to fill a set for TV or something in the list, I've used this joke. I, brought, I did it on, on AGT again because somebody reminded me of the joke. I've completely forgotten about it because I was, I was lamenting to my friend. I said, i got to come up with a couple of minutes of really clean material. I don't know how far I'm going to get along in the show. He goes, well, what about the smoking joke about jogging? And the bit is... Uh, you know, I, I tried, I was a smoker, I was a heavy smoker, and I bought me and my cousin, she was a real athlete, she ran at a marathon, and 26 and a half miles, I said, me, I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, I jog a block and a half, I'm starting to see dead relatives at the end of the block, come on, come on. <laughs> and I the see. joke, that joke is 40 years old, but it's still funny. Right, you know, and it still works. So I, I saw you do that bit, and the 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 part that you know it, it's a funny joke, but then the part that that really brings it home is is you doing that. The hands, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, hi, grandpa, I'm coming. You know. <laughs> so the answer to your question is, this kid, this guy, this friend of mine, he will every now and then he goes, "Do you remember when you used to do such and such a bit?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> and, he, and he'll remind me and so you know if you do the hits for people first of all there will be people that never heard it before and the people that uh did hear it before and know it's a hit will enjoy it so i agree with jerry on that yeah yeah i think that joke but in particular is timeless there's no there's no expiration date yeah, on it no. uh as long as people smoke and as long as smoking kills people that joke's gonna be funny <laughs> yeah the image is just funny and and, and I have a couple of things I did like that. I did for years just because they were favorites of mine, you know. Right. Uh, but I had to let go. It's, it's like watching your child go off to college. You just go, bye. Right. Bye. I'll see you on the holidays. <laughs> you know, it's, and then bring it back once in a while. So, um, Susan Sandler, uh, in, in my notes, it says she's the author of Crossing Delancey. Was she, uh, was she also a filmmaker or was this her first film? She actually, Crossing Delancey started out as a play. She wrote the play. Uh, she then, well, I guess when they sold it to this, whoever produced it, I don't remember who it was, but she wrote the screenplay too. Gotcha. Uh, and she has a she has a part in it too. I, I didn't. I went back to watch the movie. She told me where where she is in the movie, and, and sure enough, you know, it's a you spot her right there. Uh, she and plus she's a professor at uh, NYU to School of Film. She, oh. she, um, she teaches screenwriting. You know, she's she's pretty amazing. Can you get? Yeah. Can you can you ask her if she'll be on this program? <laughs> yeah, I, I will actually. I know. I think Tom's. You know what? You have Tom's info. I think Tom's watching. Tom, if you're watching. Yeah, yeah, Tom. If you're watching, please get get Susan on on the Mind Dog Show because I have a lot of uh, filmmakers, aspiring filmmakers, who would love to hear everything she has to say. And, she, and she, time, me, she has a lot to say. She's a she's a brilliant woman. So uh, with your now with with that with your comedy class, uh, um, are you? Uh, is that a big class? And are you seeing more people get interested in the history of comedy? Uh, it, it, the class itself isn't the history of comedy. Uh, oh. I was given this, uh, the, 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 it's with Michael Howard Studios in New York. And the, the owner of the studio is a friend of mine. And she she approached me with the idea of writing, of doing this class. And I said, well, she goes, what would you do for a class? I said, well, uh, I said, I could teach stand-up, but I would like to also, if, I would like to teach them uh comedy techniques but i also would like to see where this where this comedy came from right and to show them the thread uh and she goes that's wonderful and i'll give you an example of one of the things we we did uh, in in the um buster keaton and we did in the first week and i don't know how familiar you are with i am work. totally yeah, I you know the, where the house falls and he was so athletic in his, in his uh, stunts and I drew a straight line from there to the opening of the Dick Van Dyke show where he falls over the ottoman. 
I said, that's, that's a, that's a direct line. You could, you could, you know, he was a fan of Keith. He was a fan of Laurel and Hardy and Dick Van Dyke. And I actually showed them how he did the fall. I said, I spent when I was recovering from open heart surgery, frame by frame, I watched how he did that pratfall because I couldn't understand how he could do that and not kill himself. Right. And when you see it in slow motion, it's amazing how he does it because he, you, he's not really flipping at all. Right. Uh, he's tumbling to the side, but he's using the ottoman to, to sort of get him over. It, it, you got to watch it to see what it's talking It's about. uniquely choreographed. And that, you mentioned Keaton. Keaton, uh, I don't think they would let a comedian do those kinds of things on film because there was a lot of risk that people don't understand. It wasn't like today's stuff where there was safety protocols for right. everything. He did everything. Every single stunt he did was taking his life in his hands. Yeah, he way. did. And, and I, you know, you got to give the guy credit. And, and I, and I said to the kids, I said, you know, they, there were no rules when these people came around because film was brand new. And I said, so when you look at them, look at them from that, uh, those, through those eyes. They were creating what you have today as actors because they're really, uh, what I'm teaching them is more about comedic acting than, than stand-up. I think I'm, I may teach another course that is just stand-up, but this one is about comedic acting and uh, uh, it's a... Um, it's for me. It's a joy because I get to, you know, I get to introduce my idols to a whole yeah. generation of people. Right, it's, and it's a lot of fun. You mentioned one of my idols uh, early. Oh, my comedic idols! But now I I'm learning about his person. Uh, I'm. I'm torn. I, I'm almost not a fan anymore because I'm hearing so many negative things about him. You, you mentioned Martin and Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Uh, Jerry Lewis was a, a huge influence on me. I loved everything he did. You know, when I was a kid, and now I, people have ruined it by telling me who he was, and uh, I'm, I'm not liking that. But before I'm I, not even going to know that because there, you know there are people that love him, and there are people that well don't love him. Right. And that's you know that's a personal decision. So. Uh, you know, like Persky says, don't reach for ugly. So I'm not gonna. Right. Yeah. I have my own feelings, and yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, his contribution, uh, where I was going with this, his contribution uh, to to um, to film uh, to co comedy was huge at the time. And you mentioned Martin and Lewis being that that last super big comedy team Charles I watched a, a video with Charles Grodin inter, uh, interviewing Jerry Lewis the other night and it he was talking about um, nobody you knew about the phenomenon if you were a young kid you knew about the phenomena of Martin and Lewis but because they were a nightclub act nobody saw them so they were this kind of legendary thing that everybody's talking about it's so funny but growing up if you were growing up in that era, you didn't see them or really understand what they did until television came. Well, along. if you saw, yeah, if you saw the Colgate shows, then you could get a really decent idea of what they what they were like. Yeah. and they were. I mean, I got you know, regardless of how I feel about Jerry Lewis, as a team, uh, they were so much more than you know, their individual parts. Right, and and, and Dean Martin may be the greatest straight man uh, ever. He was also very funny. He was a, a, a straight man who was very funny on his own. Yeah, uh, like like uh, Oliver Hardy was. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and I, and I grew up in that era of Martin Lewis. I was a kid, but I remember them clearly. I mean, my my cousin had a Martin Lewis t shirt, a sweatshirt, and a and a coloring book, and I was so jealous, you know. And uh, <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny because. Uh, they make mention in one of the Dick Van Dyke episodes of the Martin Lewis coloring books. Somebody invested in well, that's a buddy spent like thousands of dollars. He invested in Martin Lewis coloring books, and, and then they broke up. You know, that's what I love about that show. It's it's there's so much inside show business stuff in uh, on on the Van Dyke show. Yeah, uh, Dick Van Dyke still with us? Yeah, nineties ninety eight, I think. Wow, what a great yeah. comedic talent! Um, yeah. And, and, you know, just physical talent. Um, yeah. That physical stuff, did you ever get involved in any physical uh, comedy? I, I, would, I would have loved to have done that. Uh, I, Peter Sellers, to me, was just, 
I mean, I laugh just at the mention of his name. I mean, I, I, I Peter Sellers, I'll just say Peter Sellers. I mean, right. I was just yeah. wonderful. So, yeah, I love to watch good physical comedy. Laurel and Hardy for me was ballet. It was it was choreographed just like you would choreograph ballet. Uh, uh, beautiful to watch. Beautiful. The, to watch. I would I would put uh, oddly enough, people say what uh, Chris Farley in the ba ballet. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, 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 and, and Belushi to some extent. Yes, yeah, but yeah. again, you can draw that line. You know, right, right, yeah. right through history and, and get and get to those people. So we owe them a debt of gratitude. Uh, Coming uh, coming back to the ageism thing again now. In your class, is it all young people or kids? Yes. Uh, did nobody my age come no. in? Is it is it too late for me to learn any comedy? <laughs> I tell you, these kids are thirsty to learn. They're wonderful kids. They're very, uh, they're they're just they're very respectful. Um, they did their research on me. They they have seen me perform, so they uh, you know there was sort of a. Of respect that I get from them, that I'm, uh, that I give too, as a, which I've always done as a teacher, and that's one of the things Susan did too when she with the movie too. She she was very very respectful of me throughout this whole process. I mean, it was, uh, you know, if, if I thought something was going too far in the movie, she she would ask me. She could sense it, and and and, and respect is, you know, it's it's super super important. Did that think, happen? Did things go too far? No, 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 no. We, uh, you know, we, uh, I forget what she, she wanted to say when I was in the hospital. And there's a scene in the movie where I'm right after my heart's, <laughs> I'm still in a hospital bed. And she sent the crew up to, to do some footage of me. And she was very careful about asking if she could send a guy, you know, a couple of people up there. And they kind of snuck the equipment into the hospital. I mean, I was almost dead. You know, and and Kathy Caldwell, my friend, who was uh, she was in the room with me when they when they showed up. So they they set up real quick because they had to get in and get out. But Susan was, you know, she's like, "Do you think we could come in and shoot some?" She was, you know, respectful of that. I imagine the hospital had to be really tough. You know, the logistics of of getting that to happen because you know there's all, all sorts of privacy issues about other patients. They just get really nervous. You can't bring a camera in here and stuff. Well, it's better they ask forgiveness than permission. You know, you know yeah. that old saying. You know, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now the film comes out uh, the, the June first. It will 1st. be on all the streaming stuff. Where do people go to uh, to? Do they go to your website to buy it, or do they? Uh, we're gonna, we'll be featuring the links uh, on my on my website, which is juliascotty.com, S C O T T I. Right. I don't uh, know why there's an about in our banner there. Let's take that about. It. It's just juliascotty.com, folks. You don't need the about in there. Yeah, you don't need the about. Uh, although that's the uh, that might be the. Uh, that's your bio. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah um, so, I will be posting all the information too as it comes out on. On my Facebook page, so you can see it there, and it'll be it'll be all over the place. So, uh, we're doing a major PR push this month. Uh, so, the, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to do some of the talk shows like the video, and, um, and hopefully, they'll be able to see me there. But um, if yeah, go ahead. Now, COVID is, has probably taken you out of a lot of work right now. So, you are are you performing now? I'm just going back to work in May. Uh, May 13th or 14th is my first gig back, and then we go, we've got three or four gigs in May, but June is just gone, there's no, there's nothing open in June. And, uh, perfect um, timing to promote the film. <laughs> yeah, it worked out that way, I mean, it, we were supposed to go on tour with funny women of a certain age, too, like, uh, Carol had put together a, a touring company of of some of the some of the girls that were you know on these shows, and um, we, we, that was supposed to have been last summer, and it got canceled. We had you know gigs in Dallas and a couple other places, uh, and hopefully she's trying to get it revived now. The problem is even though these places are opening, they're doing limited capacity, so you can't be in a five hundred seat theater or a thousand seat theater and spread out five hundred people. You know, it, it looks like nothing. It's different in every state, though, I think. Yes. I, I was surprised to learn somebody, told, I had somebody on from New Jersey last week, and they said uh, restaurants there were 25% capacity. I, 
in New York, I believe it's supposed to be 75, but uh, I've been As of next Friday, I think they're supposed to... Uh, yeah, I've been performing in restaurants for the last six months, I think. Um, Where are you? I'm in New York. I'm in, in Long Island. But, oh, oh, okay. Uh, I don't think anybody... Uh, I don't think... I hate to rat people out. I don't think they've been paying attention to the capacity uh, well, thing. <laughs> it felt like 100% capacity. For well, those were those clubs in Ohio that you were working, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were. You're right. You're very smart. Ohio and Kentucky, I know they... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, it's it's a shame that COVID put a damper on so many people's careers, but I'm glad that you're actually uh, getting an opportunity. To go well, actually, yeah, I did. It was as painful as it was to be. I wrote a play uh, during during the pandemic, too, which is something I'd never done before. And wow. uh, uh, it, it, it's actually not a bad play. And we're so we're now we're talking about maybe hopefully after the uh, once the film is out, I can get back to trying to get it produced somewhere in, in, in the city but um and so it's because of the you know being the lockdown that uh, that i that i did it right so do you do you think and, and i i don't think, want to phrase this in a way that you're kind of cashing in on on the changes in your life but do you think your success is is a large way due to the the change you made in your life all right i'm going to answer that question when AGT put me on, I knew they were putting me on because I was transgender and I was old. I knew that. What I had going for me was that I was funny. So that was a bonus for them. So I knew they wanted, I figured I would get maybe uh, up to the semifinals. That's where I figured I would go and then they would bounce me off. Uh, I got to the quarterfinals. But here's what I figured I won, they won. We both got what we wanted out of the show. No harm, no fell. If you face it reality-wise, yes. I know that now, I think um, uh, the transgender part of it doesn't have the same, what's the word, unicorn effect that it had when it right. first came back. Yeah, you Caitlin, know, Caitlin Jenner stole all that. There's no more. <laughs> don't even, please. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> okay. But I mean, uh, I never actually, I never really capitalized on it. It was, uh, yes, did I use it? Sure. I mean, no, it, you know. That, that wasn't really, and I, I didn't want it to come across like you're trying to capitalize on it. I mean, did the change in your life affect your comedy in a, in, yes. in, in a, in a, in a big enough way and and your life, your outlook on life in, in order to make you more a, a more successful comedian than you were? Yes. As I said to you, my two criteria were be totally honest and to be fearless. And I think I've done that. And I think I've done it because, uh, because of what it took for me to get, to get through this, uh, process. Great. Uh, and I, and I didn't want to, I, I want, can we swear on this? Show? Sure. Yeah. Please uh, do. As much I, was, as you I, just can. I wasn't going to hide behind the bullshit of, you know, being some, you know, uh, hacky comic. I, whatever I was going to say on stage was going to be my truth. Right. Because otherwise, what's the point of doing it? You know, I would just be trading one one mask for another mask. You know, one prison for another prison. I, I, I needed to be free, and that's why coming out on AGT was monumental for me. I mean, it was the mother of all coming out stories. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I came out to like you know, but an entire world. <laughs> I was getting emails from all over the world because of it. And it wasn't done for sensational reasons. It was done because I was hoping that somewhere out there, somebody would, you know, get this message and, and maybe not hurt themselves. Because we honestly, trans folks, we have like a forty percent suicide attempt. I know that. My I wife, my wife educated happened. me to that a little recently. Yeah. But your wife's uh, pretty cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, but to your um, point about AGT and and to their credit. They did their homework enough to make sure you were funny to, before they brought you on it, because it would be easy just to go out and get some transgender comic who's not funny and really kind of everybody falls on their face. Then, so they made sure that uh, when they brought you on, that you were you were top notch funny as you know, and really that was they were going to use the transgender thing to kind of uh, 
bring in viewers, but they had to make sure you. And that's that's to their credit, I think, because they yeah. Well, the process they they got that process down to uh, to a science. I mean, you know, the, and they they let I I think they they did what I you know let me do what I do with dignity and uh, uh, and I give them a lot of credit. Like I said, I have no. Uh, I got what I wanted from them. They got what they wanted from me. Every, you know, show business is like that. I, I think your cat's trying to tell me to wrap up. She's the up program. on the shelf here, and I want to knock her on her head. Hold on one second. <laughs> Get off of there! Get off of there! Get off of there! <laughs> Son of a bitch! She, she's deaf. She, you know, yeah, I know. Well, I do appreciate your time. The, the film is called uh, Julia Scotty, Funny That Funny Way. Funny That Way. It mm -hmm. will be released on June 1st in VOD, and uh, you can find out where to get it on Julia's site, www.juliascotty.com. And, and there's also a website uh, called Julia Scotty Film. So, uh, you know, okay, I, if, you just got, if you just Googled uh, Funny That Way, right. uh, you'll come up with a million different ways to see the movie. And seriously, uh, it, Almost everyone has somebody that they know that's going through this. Well, uh, to, to, the, to that point, uh, and, and I said in the intro, I don't know it's a single trans per, uh, person in my life, but I probably do, don't I? You <laughs> probably do, and I, and I can't tell you, that every show I work, someone will come up to me and say that they know somebody or, or a child of theirs is going through it. And, and so... Um, Maybe this will open, expand your consciousness a little bit. I hope so. It's a loving, it's a very loving film. Uh, it's about love and understanding, and, 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 and it's about being able to achieve your dream and never letting go of your dream. You know? Wow, great. Um, no matter how old you are, and no matter what you go through, you know, you're there, you're where you are at that moment, because that's where you're supposed to be. Right. Well, they, yeah. not not to be too uh, give myself too much of a pat on the back here, but that's exactly why I started this podcast was to encourage people to live their dreams. Because as you kind of uh, point out, uh, life is short, and and sooner or later you got to light a, a fire under your own ass and say, you know what, my time is running out. If I'm going to do what I want with this life, I better start doing it now. <laughs> I got. I'll tell you though, leave you with this. But my father was a a very he was a he was a he was a lovely man. He was a, a very troublesome man. He had you know drinking, bad drinking problems, a lot of killing him. But it was mostly because his uh, he 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 grew up in the depression and he had dreams of being in show business, and he just never could get to them because he had to support his family. He, you know, he got as far as the eighth grade, and 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 he talked about it all his life about how he, you know, he, what he had wanted to do and couldn't. And I don't. I didn't want my life to be like that, you know. Um, and so I do this as much for his memory as I do for me, you know. And for all those people who have a dream, I just, I can't. I, it's quality of life, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I appreciate you bringing that message and sharing this time with us. And I wish you great success moving forward. I hope the film is a great success. I hope my my audience will check it out. And I uh, just can't uh, tell you enough. Thank you enough for for coming. Thank tonight. you for having me. I really, really appreciate. It. I'm glad we were able to work out the technical difficulties. Well, well yeah. and now I I know for sure. I know one trans person in my life. Glad to call you a friend. And you do. To meet you can call me friend, and uh, you know, invite me to your house for a barbecue and I'll bring potato salad. Okay, cool. Well, right. pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Bye for now. Nice meeting you. Take Bye. care, man. Julia Scotty, folks. It's com. All the links will be in the description. I'll get her film site in, in the description, too. Uh, so make it nice and easy for you. You don't have to go fishing for them. We'll just click the links in the description. I hope you uh, learned something tonight. I hope you got something out of this. Uh, and by all means, check out uh, the uh, documentary trailer uh, which is on Julia's site now, and there's uh, some plenty of stuff from the AGT stuff around uh, to get get you warmed up for the documentary. I hope you check it out again. It's uh, June first. It comes out on VOD, and you can uh, it be on all the streaming services. So uh, check it out. So uh, no show tomorrow. On uh, Monday, we'll be back with several authors. Uh, you know, a lot of meet the author shows. Two on Monday, two on Tuesday. Meet the authors. Uh, different kind of genres. So uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you then Monday at 
1 p.m. Eastern. Until then, I'm Matt Napple from the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for joining me tonight. On the under-over, whether I said something stupid or uh, offensive, I don't know what the final score is on that. I'll let you be the judge. You can write to me at info at minddogtv.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Napple from the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Bye for now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.